Hi and welcome to The Podium, the place where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport. My name's Jason Skiles and we've got a huge edition of our show to bring you. Uh, we're going to be talking with a few supercar drivers on this edition of The Podium. We've got a five-time Bathurst winner in Stephen Richards joining us on The Podium and he's going to talk about the decision to step away from from supercar driving and into a new role with Team 18. Uh, we've also got one of the front runners from the Supercars E-Series, it's Anton Di Pasquale and Anton's going to join us to talk about his success in the E-Series and also what he hopes to achieve this season with Penrite Racing and we've got TCR champion Will Brown joining us on the podium and Will's going to talk about his career and also what his expectations are for the 2020 season which sees him of course competing in the TCRs, uh, the Super 2 and in the Pertec Enduro Cup with Penrite Racing. So it's a huge edition of the show. Right after this though, we're joined with Stephen Richards on the podium. This is the podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport and we're joined right now with a guy that has achieved so much in Australian motorsport. He comes from a massive family of motorsport, of course. He has won the Bathurst 1,000 five times. He's also won the Bathurst 24-hour race in addition to that. He's won in the Supercar Championship at many races as well. It's, of course, Steve and Richard. Steve, thanks so much for joining us on the podium. Yeah, pleasure, mate. Nice to, nice to be on, on the call. Uh, you announced a decision at the end of 2019 that you're going to step away from full-time driving and even the enduro dr- driving as well. Quite surprisingly to most motorsport fans, considering you're still relatively young in, in the motorsport world. Talk about yep. that decision and your new role now at Team 18. Yeah, well, look, it came about, I'd been talking to Charlie, you know, I, I guess I saw, um, I, I guess I compare to how long my father, Jim, drove as a co-driver and I think you know he drove until the age of about 55 in, in supercars understandably that age is, is coming down so I thought I thought in reality I probably had another three to five years of co-driving but I, I started to talk to Charlie mid-2019 about a, a possible transitioning role into some part of um, whether it was the race team or his forklift rental business just to just to look at you know other options once once the co-driving thing sort of came to came to rest. So um, yeah, look, it was um, not a, not an easy decision, but one that once you know essentially it was handed to me on a on a on a plate because this transitional role all of a sudden once Charlie had um, the opportunity to move to two cars. He was a bit inundated with his role, and Charlie's very hands-on. You know, he has a hands-on role with the sponsorship. It, it, it really is his team, and he has a huge passion for for motorsport, um, and and takes a lot on himself. So he was starting to find that it was was becoming a quite a big. Um, I wouldn't say distraction because he loved it, but it was becoming a big um, time filler for him. Um, outside his Waverley forklift business, and I, and I came in one day, basically to talk to him about this transitional role in 2020 and co-driving with Frosty, and and then taking on a bit of a two or three day a week role with with the team, and um, he basically just said, look, Richo, I need I need some I need some massive help. You know, I, I appreciate your expertise and your experience in the sport, and you know you'd be a great fit to to do it, but. But unfortunately, you know, it's going to retire. It's going to require a full-time commitment. And um, while that was a bit of a shock, it was it was probably a reality. And I, I think you you probably never 
you're never ready to, to step aside. But, um, you know, it only won the one Bathurst with Lounsey a year earlier. So um, it, it sort of, look, it was a decision I was discussed with my wife and, and gave my dad a call. And look, it just seemed like the right thing to do um, at that point in time. And um, sort of here we are. But, you know, then then right now we've, we're just going through a, a, a whole game changer as well with, with what's happened with the COVID-19 scenario and, and coronavirus. Um, and, you know, the, the, the world's been thrown in disarray. Who would have, who would have thought that, that every, every professional sport in the country or in the world would be stood down? Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have thought that would have happened at the start of the year, that's for sure. So things change pretty quick and you've got to be, um, you know, you've got to be ready to adapt and, and, and make changes to your, to your, your career and your life, you know, in light of the opportunities that get presented. And that, that to me, from Charlie, was a pretty good um, opportunity moving forward. Now, I know it's still really early on, and we've had all this corona crisis stuff going on as well, which has affected the amount of motorsport we've seen this, this season. Are you missing not competing? And, and what, are the, what are the future plans as well? Because this year you're not going to be doing any Australian GT racing at this point. Are you looking to do some more driving in any other categories? Oh, look at the, the, the options there on the table. If I can, if I can fund it, that then that's always the the way with professional motor or motor racing outside professional sport, which is supercars. You know, you have to you have to go and source source the the sponsorship to enable you to compete, and then put a program together. The, the reality is that that being so busy with Team Eighteen, it just hasn't really, particularly early on, and the move to two cars and the amount of resource. The amount of um, um, you know, in, in hiring staff, changing the model a little bit to suit the two cars, um, it, it hasn't enabled me any time really to sit down and, and explore those other opportunities. Um, so, so I was pretty committed to just and, and happy to 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 continue in the role with Charlie um, moving forwards. And then, absolutely, I, I still love driving. Um, I want to be driving for at least another 10 years in, in some form. But um, at the moment, that, that has to sit on the sideline while we get the two-car team up and running and becoming successful. And then for 2021, you know, however that looks at the moment, you know, I'd, I'd love to continue to, to look at options um, for, for, for driving in the future. No, no question. I don't, I don't want to stop driving. I just can't do it while I'm, uh, I can't drive supercars while I'm in this role because it's such a full-time full-time role with Charlie. Well, it's, it's, great, yeah, it's great to hear that you're still going to be doing some form of motorsport, which is great for a lot of mo- motorsport fans of yours. Um, very quickly this season, we have had a few races. We had some races at the Superloop 500, and then we did get one day of action in, in Melbourne. How's the team going this year? Where do you expect the team to be come um, competition time again? Yeah, it's, look, it's... It's um, it was looking really promising. I think Adelaide was really tough for us um, when 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 Scotty had you know the regulations change regulation changes this year going to the control um, Pedder's damper that 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 was a challenge for everyone and it seemed to be a, a, an even bigger challenge for the Triple Eight construction constructed cars which we have. Um, unfortunately, Scott had his drama in practice. Because of a suspension failure, and and that was a that was a bit of became a bit of a hurdle for us to overcome on the weekend. But 
still Frosty came out of their eighth in the championship, which was great. Um, and and to be honest, at um, at the Grand Prix after qualifying, we were really encouraged by Frosty's performance. Again, Scott didn't get a lot of time. We had a few little issues with his car. So guess what I'm saying is it was all heading in the right direction and, and we were really excited at the Grand Prix. Felt like we'd made a significant step forward with the car for Frosty and um, he'll be the first to me. He made a little mistake in one of the qualifying sessions. Should have probably been third or fourth. Um, but then, of course, we didn't get to go racing to, 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 to prove any of that. So... Um, but yeah, look, we 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 are we're making strides forward. We just now need to see, you know, when that most most of the sport is on stand down at the moment. Very limited people in at the workshop because there's no work to be done. So you know, it's it's about how we manage how we manage this going going back to work once the once the dates get reset and we know actually what we're dealing with and there's no no real sign of that at the moment. They're talking about still talking about August, but really, you know, we're at the mercy of the, the government led restrictions, um, state by state and how they affect professional sport. But I think once the ball sports get a bit of clarity on what they can do and how they can manoeuvre around Australia, then that gives us a bit more clarity too to be able to start to as a sport, start to formulate the way the way forward um, there as well. So interesting times. Hopefully the corona crisis continues improving here in Australia and we do get some motorsport action taking place a little later on in the championship season. Stephen Richards, thank you so much for taking the time for joining us on the podium. Hey, mate. No, thanks for having me on. Uh, look forward to getting back and doing some racing soon. There we are, Stephen Richards, talking about his decision to step away from driving in the Supercar Championship and his new role at Team 18. Uh, right after this, we're joined with Anton Di Pasquale on the podium. This is the podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport, and we're joined right now with one of the guys that's going to be a star of the Supercar Championship. He's already put in some solid performances. However, there are plenty of big things going forward for this guy. He's had success in Europe and at the moment, he's had plenty of success in the supercars, in particular the E-Series that's been going on. It's, of course, Anton Di Pasquale. Anton, thank you so much for joining us on the podium. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me on. Now, Anton, I just mentioned it there. We've had a lot of stuff going on in 2020 with the corona crisis and, and a whole heap of other things. So plenty of industries have been affected. Supercars has been one of those. Supercars, though, quite uniquely has been able to go racing still, virtually, and we've had this Supercar E-Series that's launched up a few weeks ago, and you have been one of these massive success stories from this championship. Talk about what it's like competing virtually. Um, yeah, obviously, we copped a curveball um, not being able to go racing, so um, we're probably in a lucky space where we can still make a bit of content and to get some TV out there and keep the fans and sponsored and sponsors, drivers and teams and everyone involved. Um, so... We can use that through the iRacing platform. So um, I'm probably, we're in that lucky space where we can still do something and keep ourselves occupied. Um, so yeah, I'm probably adapted to it quick, quick enough, but um, I've been doing it for years with a few of the other drivers and um, probably just pays off all those years sitting at home on the simulator. Uh, it's paying off now because it's been easy to adapt to it all. And talk about the differences. We had our Jamie Winkup on the show, and he's one of those people that now he's starting to adapt a little more, but it's taken him a little while. 
what are some of the changes between driving virtually compared to the real thing? Um, yeah, it just sort of probably takes you a little bit to get used to um, not being able to feel, obviously, the car because you're not in one um, and you're using screens or VR or something instead of actually real world. So perception is a little bit out. Um, but I always find in terms of driving the car, you're still, still doing inputs the same as you would in the real the real thing. So you end up driving the thing very similar. It's just adapting to it all. So um, you haven't got that feel underneath you as such, but you still have this, the wheel movements and you know, the pedals and all that stuff still doing the same stuff. So um, yeah, everyone adapts a little bit different, but yeah, I end up finding you drive very similar to the actual car, which is, which is handy. And how many hours are you putting in each week to practice for the big races? Uh, yeah, you put in a bit. Um, I end up doing some, some ups together me and Dave as a team or whatever or the mates or whoever happens to be on but you probably do a couple of hours a day um, and then a little bit more the last couple of days before the race um, there's, there's all the uh, drivers it's cool to see everyone's super competitive so every day I'm you log into iRacing everyone else is on doing heaps of laps so everyone's trying to beat each other um, as much as each other so it's really cool and what's your E-Series setup like at home with the simulator and everything? We've got some supercar drivers. We had Shane Van Gisbergen talking about how he has an actual steering wheel from his Triple Eight team as part of his E-Series setup. What's your setup like? Um, yeah, my thing's pretty pretty basic. It's nothing out of control. Um, I got my a simulator. I saw my first simulator when I come back from Europe a few years ago. Um, and then basically still running that same thing. I've just upgraded the sim to a new sort of track racer rig, which is heaps nicer, but all the uh, all the running gears are the same. So there's nothing too out of control on here. It's just something that gets the job done. Um, but yeah, my wheel and stuff like that, so I don't know where it's from. I bought it all secondhand. So um, it's just some old Sparco thing off a supercar once upon a time, probably. Oh, yeah. And we've seen many different, you know, sim rigs, obviously. We had uh, Marcus Ambrose. He's got... A full-on setup like he's got one of the most developed rigs that you can imagine and he's been a big part of the iRacing game for over a decade now and we've seen a few guest stints from a number of drivers internationally competing in the championship Max Verstappen has been one of the big ones what has it been like competing against these big names uh yeah it's cool obviously uh you get to race people like Max which is um, obviously you know regarded as one of the best drivers in the world F1 race winner and all that stuff. So to be able to race against him and compete against him is really cool. Um, and then all the other guys like Marcus, obviously a legend of our sport and um, all the NASCAR guys and IndyCar guys and stuff like that. It's, it's cool to get um, them involved in our championship and um, sort of show what, what product we have and get to race against them. And you know, hopefully the idea is to put on a really good show for the fans. And I think we're doing that, which is awesome. Is there a driver that you'd like to see compete? Is there one particular that you'd be like, oh, man, he'd be awesome if we'd get him in? Uh, no one in particular. I mean, obviously, they're all, all very good to race. It's uh, it'd be impossible to get them all because um, everyone's got a busy schedule. But um, the way supercars handle it and getting the people they are involved in, and the big names is, is awesome. So um, they're doing a pretty good job of it. I'll leave it up to them. They're the experts. But, uh, yeah, they're doing a good job. Yeah, yeah, some big names so far, and hopefully it continues. Let's talk about your career now, Anton, uh, in terms of real-world competition. Where did this passion for motorsport begin for you? And, you know, we've mentioned some big names so far. Who were you looking up to? Um, yeah, I mean, my passion for motorsport probably started when I was very young. Um, I started sort of on dirt bikes, 
um, being from a, a farm and still on the farm now, sort of the normal thing you do, you get a bike and you drive right around the farm and stuff like that. Um, so I did that for years and then got into the carts around 12 years old, 13 years old. So um, my dad was into his drag cars and his bikes also. Um, and then, yeah, I just sort of crashed my way out of motorbikes most of the time and ended up breaking heaps of bones and things like that. Um, so tried four wheels instead of two and end up having a heap of good time and going pretty well and then found myself with the cars a few years later. Yeah, well, you know, 2010 was one of your first big seasons competing in the uh, Victorian Karting Championships. In 2011, this is where you kind of had one of your first big breakthroughs when it came to motorsport. You did the uh, Australian Karting Championships and you won the series. Talk about those experiences in 2010 and 2011. Uh, yeah, so like I said, it started karting pretty late. Like I started in 2009 and then finished by 2011. So um, we're racing against you know, people my age, been doing it already for say five years or something since I was seven. So we're a little bit behind the eight ball and you know, myself and my dad and that were pretty competitive. So we ended up doing a lot of racing and a lot of practice to catch up on everyone. Um, and then, yeah, by the time we come around to that third year in 2011, we're pretty on song. I was sort of the top age of the juniors and then um, sort of the year to get things done and, and we did and then that was sort of the opportunity to move into cars which is which is cool. And who was your favourite driver back in the days and what, what championships were you watching as a little kid? Um, normally as a, as, as a young bloke you end up watching you know, obviously supercars being in Australia, uh, Bathurst, all that stuff and at the time when I was starting in, in my motorsport career as you could say uh, Wing Cup was winning every race at that time, um, so I just was always watching him going, shit, I want to be that guy, um, so probably looked up to him the most as, as I was coming through. 2010, 2011, you are doing the karting, then 2012, another another step up, you did the uh, Victorian Formula Ford Championship, uh, second in the standings there, and then you did a few rounds of the Australian Formula Ford Championship towards the back end of the series. Uh, very successful, though. You had two podium finishes at Bathurst, and you got three wins at Winton. Talk about that 2012 series, uh, yeah, so um, I was lucky enough at the end of 2011 to do an Arrow Rewards program with Miguel. Um, you know, people who won championships and stuff in karting could do some laps in, in a formal forward. So um, I was on a lucky one to go through with Sonic Motorsport. And then um, from there, ended up going with them to do the Victorian State Championship, which is sort of the normal, normal, the normal step. Um, and then the old plan was always to do the last two or three rounds of the... Uh, Australian series to get ready for the next year. So uh, round one's not a bit daunting. You've got a bit of experience and you know where to go. So, um, yeah, the, the state championship was really cool. Um, and then to get, you know, the end of the year with uh, essentially a round sweep at Winton was a pretty good start. 2013 is um, already winning a round and having that all under the belt. So I could go straight into the next year to chase the championship. Well, yeah, 2013, first full season uh, with Sonic, an iconic team in Formula Ford. You've had, you know, Will Davison, Jamie Winkup, a lot of big-name drivers driving for Sonic. And 2013 proved to be a very successful year. You won the championship very convincingly. You had seven wins, including wins at our tracks at, at our Simmons Plains, uh, Winton and Phillip Island again. Talk about that 2013 championship year. Uh, yeah, so... Um it was a really cool start of the year, winning the first round. So that's sort of always your first goal. If you start the year well, you generally 
have the momentum. Um, and then we had a bit of a slump after that. The results were still okay, but we had a few dramas and stuff um, with some motors and things. And then um, we got that sorted for basically the middle of the year onwards and then sort of brought it home pretty strong. So um, I was I was in a good team, had pretty good teammates. Um, the vibe was really good and, and we just got things done. So it was, it was quite good. Um, the goal was always to win it that year and then um, work out what we had to do from then on. So, um, yeah, didn't want to stay in there super long. Um, it was, was about to limit, which was cool. So it was good to be with those guys and uh, they're notorious for winning that championship. So I think we're in the right team. And, yeah, that the end of that year, you had to make a few decisions as to what you're going to do in 2014. Uh, of course, you decided to venture over to Europe. A big move for any young race driver. Talk about that decision to move over to Europe. And you did the Formula Renault Series, the uh, junior series over there in the Formula Renault, quite successful again. You won the championship, nine wins. Talk about your time there in 2014 and that big decision to move over to Europe. Uh, yeah, so um, there was sort of, at the time, we probably had three options ending Formula Ford. So at this stage, uh, Larco was helping us for heaps. So... Yeah, obviously there was an option to stay in Australia and do something Porsche or Super 2 or or something like that. Um, and then we had an option to go to America. I actually did a test in, in America um, end of end December of 13. And then the other option was to go to Europe and go down that path. So um, we bit the bullet and went for the probably the hardest path you could go to um, and thought, why not? You know, might as well aim high and then see where we go. So that was our plan. And, and it went quite good for a couple of years. Um, then normal story, so everyone had a bit of dollars and sort of worked out it's probably not where we were going to end up. And then uh, before it's too late, came back to Australia and come chase Supercar career. Well, yeah, you mentioned Mark Larkham there. Talk about how he first got involved in helping you at your career. Uh, yeah, so Larko, uh, we come into touch with Larko one of the Supercar rounds. I think it might have been uh, just before Gold Coast. Um, he, he, he obviously... Is a, is a fan of young people in motorsport and things like that, been a part of it for so long. So he uh, he seen what I was doing and wanted to give us a hand and see where we're going next and, and stuff like that, which was really cool. Um, and then he, he knew a lot of people overseas and sort of who to talk to, how to get it done and things like that. So he hooked up all those rides for me um, and got me into, you know, at the time, um, the team I went for, Lechner Racing wasn't uh, in that category. They went in open wheels at the time, not just in Porsche. Um, so to go with them was a pretty big risk because I hadn't hadn't been there before. But uh, Larko knowing who he knew and what he knew, um, made sure we, that's that's where we went. It turned out to be the the right decision. So you know that whole part of it was was a credit to him. Well, yeah, you mentioned you know the varying degrees of success in Europe. Uh, 2014, yeah, very successful. 2015, it was a bit of a challenge because you stepped up into another Formula Renault series, the Euro Cup, uh, 18th in the standings. You had a few rookies competing. However, there was an experienced hand in Jack Aitken that won the championship, someone that's now a Williams test driver. Talk about that difficult period in 2015 and adjusting. Uh, yeah, the next category is uh, probably, you know, if you compare it, probably similar to like a Super 2 style category. You're in there, you know, you have a rookie year, then probably two years after that was pretty normal. Some people do a bit more depending when they start. Um, so being in your first year, you're never going to set the world on fire. Um, so, yeah, it was always going to be a sort of a learning year aiming for the next year. But um, we sort of got towards the middle at the end of that and uh, worked out that it probably 
not going to have the budget to go for another couple of years and then get into the F3s and the GP3s and 2s and stuff like that. Um, so we just sort of made a smart call to, you know, pull the reins before it's way too late um, and then come back and chase something a bit more realistic. Give, give us some insight into what kind of budget is involved in racing in Europe. Uh, yeah, man, there's, it's a lot. Um, it is, it depends depends where you go, how you do it. It's probably, you know, it probably could have gone for another year, maybe two, um, with some supporters we had, but to go the next, you know, probably needed to do another four from where we were, go through the GP2s and stuff, and that's where you're talking millions of dollars a year. So um, that's something we, we can't do or we couldn't do. Um, so we thought, you know, might as well be smart about this, not just burn some cash. Um, we'll spend it wisely and actually make a career out of the end of it before uh, it's, it's not possible. Well, yeah, you moved back to Australia in 2016. You competed in the Super 2 Championship uh, with uh, Paul Morris's team, uh, another driver that's given you plenty of mentorship throughout the years. Uh, 11th in the standings, you did get a podium at Bath. Let's talk about that first year competing in the Super 2 Series. Uh, yeah, so came back from, uh, from Europe, obviously wanted to stay there, you know, um, was having a great time. Um, and then so we didn't have much cash left or, you know, we haven't been in Australia for a couple of years. So support, getting support and stuff from here wasn't the easiest thing. So um, luckily enough, partnered up with Paul, um, did some driving with him out of Norwell um, just to sort of you know, get his opinion and see what what's going on and how I drive and everything. And then from there, he said, well, you know, he was quite, quite impressed and happy. So he wanted to do a a day in his Super 2 car that he had sitting there, which he wasn't planning on racing. Um, and then we did a test day in that, and then he, he, he basically said we, we have to race this, and so we sort of sat down together, had a plan. Um, the plan was always, you know, well, at that time, the car of the future was introduced in the Super 2, so we had an old generation car, which we which were well aware of, and you know, anything like that was never a plan, of just doing laps, um, driving, getting used to it. Um, for the sort of cheapest budget we could, and Paul helped heaps with that. Um, and then from there, we'll plan was to get into a, a better car for the next year, so an up-to-date car and chase the championship, which is which is what we did. Um, and then so basically the idea was, and Paul sort of made it all happen, was just get from you know where I was with no team top experience into the main game in the shortest time possible. So. Um, Getting to do that in two years was was pretty cool, and uh, it's a big credit to him. And what was that adjustment like for you driving a supercar compared to you know many years competing in open wheelers? Yeah, so um, it it wasn't wasn't too bad. Like uh, spending heaps of time at Norwell and doing that whole training program, which you know heaps of people are doing now, um, sort of fast track that, and then um, basically I just had to adjust back to rifle braking and heel toeing and all that stuff. So. That's why I originally bought my sim was to help me with that while I was at home. Um, so yeah, it wasn't wasn't too bad. Um, I think just basically at the start was I just listened to whatever Paul said and you know did exactly as he said and didn't question it and that's that's basically where I am now. After the season in 2016, 2017 turned to be a pretty good one for you. Uh, you were in the top five in the standings. You also did some races in the Kumo Tyres V8 Touring Car Series. You had your first wins, though. Uh, Phillip Island and Sydney Motorsport Park, six podium places as well throughout the season. How was that year for you, and what, the, what was it like getting those first wins? Uh, yeah, it was cool. So um, we ended up 
getting uh, a newer car, um, still running with Paul on the same team and everything. Um, so, yeah, we went straight, straight into it. Went, went really well. Um, had a couple wins, podiums, all that, and some poles and things like that. So we had a pretty successful year, which sort of set us into a position to get into the main game. Um, I was probably the luckiest thing that happened to me was I didn't get a co-drive that year. So um, that made me available to do an evaluation test, which then basically got me a driving supercar. So the best thing that happened to me was probably um, not getting a, a co-drive actually, which, which is, which is a weird way to look at it. How did the uh, evaluation test come about? Um, basically, so at that time, uh, Erebus wanted to do an evaluation test, test a couple of components and stuff like that, like people do. Um, and then I was, one of the, you know, the, I was sort of the only front runner in Super Two at the time that was available to do it that didn't clash with the rules. Um, so they got me to do it, and then from there, the end of that season, that seat become available, and they took a punt on a on a young bloke. So it worked out in my favour. Lee, go! You got the call up there to compete in the main game Supercar Series in 2018. It was a challenging year for you and the team. Uh, 20th in the standings, you did have a strong run at Phillip Island, a, a racetrack where you've had lots of success. What is it about Phillip Island that brings forward that success for you? Um, I'm not too sure. Um, I like to think, you know, I don't have favourite tracks or least favourite tracks. Sort of try and think I go good everywhere. Um, but, yeah, Phillip Island's always been a happy hunting ground for me. Um, every time I race there, I've gone really well, so... Not sure why. Um, it's probably just the, the style of track, fast corners, all that stuff. I don't know. Uh, but I don't really have an answer. Um, it just seems to happen that way, which is, uh, I'll take it. Well, it was also at Bathurst in 2018 where you really put your name out there to a lot of supercar fans. You had an epic run in that qualifying session. Talk about the performance there that weekend at Bathurst. Uh, yeah, it was a very, uh, it was my first, first 1,000, mine and Will's. Um, so, it was it was a pretty you know obviously into it very different to what all the other races are um, and then the weirdest part was it was all practice was rained out so we had no practice um, and I hadn't been there in the new style car and hadn't been there for a few years so prior to that I've been there in that in the Super Two in the old car and my fastest time was like a two oh nine or something so basically you know doing from that I had to do two oh fours to get into the shootout. Um, which was a pretty big step. So, and we had no practice. It was all rained out. We didn't do any laps. And then first dry laps of the uh, the week were in qualifying. And then, you know, basically credit to that, we had a sim at Erebus, which we still do now, which is a pretty cool regal motion and stuff. And I basically spent you know week week straight in the lead up to do that. And then that's all I had going into the into the qualifying. And we ended up making the shootout. Um, and then you know obviously stepped it up a bit for the for the shootout finally. And then. Got a bit unlucky in the race, but it was still a really cool week. And what did it do for you in terms of your confidence as a driver? Because a lot of supercar drivers, owners and fans took notice of you after that run. Uh, yeah, there was obviously a lot of things happening. But in, in terms of myself, uh, it doesn't really change too much because you go to every every event, every track, you go there wanting to win and doing all everything you can to do it. So when you do it, you sort of, you know, it's, it's it's a good feeling, but uh, it doesn't change change too much. You always have the same approach and the, the same uh, the same look at everything afterwards. 
Yeah, well, you know, you started the 2019 season again with Pen- Penrite Racing, uh, 14th in the standings. However, a lot of solid runs throughout the year. Uh, you had podiums at uh, the Bend and Phillip Island, that same racetrack again. How did you rate your performance in 2019? Uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was a very weird year, um, not just for us. You know, obviously with the Mustang and everything it, it coming in, the, the game changed a fair bit, um, and getting good 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 results was actually quite hard for most people. Um, the sort of the dominant fuse for the whole year. Um, so one of the lucky ones to actually get podiums. Um, but yeah, in terms of the year, we had a lot of ups, a lot of downs. It was massive improvement the year before, but uh, ultimately there was a lot of things which uh, cost us a lot of points, which probably cost us the top 10 of the championship, which some avoidable, some not. Um, so yeah, we'll, the idea was to capitalise on that on this year. Um, but yeah, unfortunately not, we're not able to do that at the moment. And are you one of those drivers that sets down some goals for yourself or do you kind of take it as it comes? Um, no, I've got, I always find it, it's, it's a weird one. I'm, I'm sort of a, the track I'm trying to win. So, um, and you know, the team around me is trying to do the same thing. So our goal is always to win and be the fastest and, you know, lead every lap and all that, which I'm sure most people are. So, um, I was, I'm always a fan of set your goal really high and aim for that. Um, don't be too conservative. And 2020 now, you've got a new teammate for the Pertec Enduro Cup in Brody Kostecki. Talk about what Brody's like. Uh, yeah, Brody's really cool. Um, he's another one, part of the sort of the Norwell stable, you could say. So um, we spent a heap of time up in Queensland together doing laps and yeah, coaching young kids and spending a bit of time together and you know doing all that stuff. And then as well, he's a, he's a massive uh, sim racer. We spend most days on the sim doing laps together and he's actually, when he's not competing, he spots for me and does sort of my, my strategy and stuff for the um, for the E series. So we have a pretty good relationship, and uh, hopefully, you know, we get the races soon and can uh, can use it to full advantage. We have had some racing this season. Uh, we had some races at the Superloop 500, and we did get one day of action in at Melbourne. Talk about how the car was for those races. Uh, yeah, so uh, made both the shootouts at Adelaide. Um, at- car was amazing we had some dramas uh, which which we sort of worked out later um but we had that all sort of for grand prix and my thing was pretty good at grand prix um i had some qualified six in that session we did but pace probably a little bit better than that so um we topped the practice session and we'll sort of at that pointy end somewhere so was really looking forward to getting involved in racing and doing some more quality sessions and stuff but i think we had a pretty good pretty good thing um so yeah looking to get back into it and uh, hopefully be able to use that and right now it's a period where a lot of drivers have got a lot of downtime because they can't go out and compete what have you been doing in your downtime um downtime at the moment is mostly sim racing stuff um laps and you know preparing for the e-series that's sort of our only way to um you know support our sponsors fans you know to get the engagements up and everything so we're still doing that as well as we can so um while we're doing that model do it properly and uh, try and be at the front because that's the best way to you know represent our our team um so yeah that's a heap of that uh, a bit of when the weather is nice in melbourne get on the bike and uh, cruise around try and keep fit and then yeah just uh basically living life online so between sim racing and uh, playing a bit of playstation with mates and stuff while they're at home and that's about what we do 
And what are things like there uh, at Penrite Racing? You've got Dave Reynolds as one of your teammates, one of the larrikins of the sport. What's it like having him as a teammate? Uh, yeah, he's good. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously, everyone knows how he is, a funny bloke. Um, he's sort of what he wants most of the time, but uh, he's, he's a pretty good teammate. We've uh, worked together really well for two and a bit years now. Um, obviously, at the start of it, he was helping me a lot get up to speed, and now we're both, um, you know, quite on, on closer to the same level. Um, I'm, I'm able to help him quite a lot, and we're trying to push each other and the team as a whole to get to the front. So there's not too much uh, inter-team rivalry. It's all about both being at the front and you know, when we're both at the front, we'll be happy and uh, content. And we've talked about the E-Series and varying levels of success for different drivers. You've been one of those ones with plenty of success. Dave is one of those ones that's still learning to adjust to the championship. Have you been teaching him much about how to, how to drive an, e, an E-Race? Uh, yeah, he probably start with it super into it but uh, I think now we've done a couple of races he's quite enjoying it and um, you know we're, we're on you know every every odd day um, trying to give him as much as we can because like I said we're, we're still a team um, even though we're not not doing normal racing stuff it's still about getting the Penrite racing cars both at the front so um, we're doing all we can to, to make each other as fast as possible so I'm trying to give him all the tips and tricks that I know we do a bit of data and you know share all the onboards and stuff like, like we would in the real car because we still want to be at the front. We're still competitive. So, um, yeah, but at the same time, we're having a good time. We're having a laugh while we do it. So it's, it's all good. Oh, it looks, looks like it'd be a lot of enjoyment to be had competing in that championship. And and when we do get racing this season, Anton, where do you think the car's going to be? We've seen adjustments, obviously, to the Fords after all the controversy in 2019. Where do you think the Penrite racing cars are going to be in 2020? Um, yeah, I think obviously with everything happening, um, all the adjustments and everything, they probably didn't get the full chance to play out how it's going to look. Um, so there's still probably a lot of questions on that front, but it, it was looking pretty good. Um, I think our cars are, are going to be competitive we're up there. Um, we'll see obviously what comes out of all this and the break and you know, if there's any rule changes and stuff because of it, we'll find out. But um, yeah, I, I feel confident we'll be up there somewhere. We're still... We'll work as hard as we have ever to um, make the cars fast and what we'll do always can as drivers to drive them fast. So that's the plan as always. Awesome stuff there. Anton Di Pasquale, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to join us on the podium and best of luck for the remainder of the E-Series and the Supercar Championship. Awesome, mate. Thank you. Thanks for having me. There we are, Anton Di Pasquale joining us on the podium to reflect on his career and also what it's like to compete in the Supercars E-Series. Right after this, we're joined with another Penrite Racing driver. It's Will Brown, and he joins us next on the podium. This is the podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport, and we're joined now with one of the up-and-coming stars of Australian motorsport. He's already had success winning championships in a number of Australian categories. It is, of course, Will Brown. Will, thanks so much for joining us on the podium. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Now, Will, as we documented there, you've competed in a few Australian championships. Something that you've been doing recently has been the E-Series events, these virtual virtual racing events. Talk about how these are. Yeah, uh, some of them you love and some of them you hate. It's typical motorsport. You have your good and your bad days. So, um, no, some of them you have, you have excellent racing. The, the Supercars one I did that week, filling for Dave, was awesome. Uh, did a lot of practice. Um, the racing was quite clean. Obviously, there's always... A few crashes, but 
you generally get back to the pits and all that, and everyone's quite respectful for each other. So really been enjoying doing all that. So we've had all this stuff going on with the corona crisis. What have you been doing in the downtime? You've had a few E-Series events. How much time are you spending in a sim, and what else have you been doing? Yeah, it depends what I, what I'm doing and what week I'm racing uh, different categories. If I'm racing the sim, uh, the VO supercar race like I did, I'll be doing you know like seven eight hours a day on the simulator. Uh, but apart from that, uh, I've just been working full time six days a week. Uh, I haven't obviously raced in the supercar once, so I just uh, jump on when I get home from work and spend a few hours each night doing um, you know as much as I can. And it's not just you know cars that you like to get behind the wheel of and steer. You also like to fly aeroplanes. Yeah, I think uh, I'm doing a lot more piloting right now than I am driving cars. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying flying. I've had my pilot's license for, uh, it might be, you know, 10 months right now. So uh, I flew to Bathurst last year. That was when I first got it. And, um, yeah, I'm doing a lot right now. We have kayaks up here, so we travel around to pick up cars and that. So I've been using it a lot for, for that sort of stuff. Well, yeah, you know, we've got all these virtual games going on now. As a kid, were you doing much of the virtual stuff? Were you playing, like, video games as a kid, supercar games? And what were you doing in terms of your motorsport passion as a kid? Yeah, generally, when I, when I was a young kid, um, I was just motocross, um, a bit of water skiing, uh, all of that sort of stuff. That was really, you know, what what I did um, when I was young. Oh, rugby as well. Rugby was a massive one up until probably high school. I I was, a, I was a bit weird compared to a lot of the other drivers. A lot of them, their parents got them into it when they were seven or something like that. I, I only got into a go-kart when I was 13. Um, and then I think I only watched my first Bathurst 1000 properly when I was like 15 years old, which not many people can believe. So it was one of those things that I sort of jumped into go-karts. I thought, you know, this is fun. I, I love doing it. Um, and then I thought, oh, geez, you know, I'm not going too bad here. I'll start looking at other things like Formula Ford. So just progress through there. You never really think, you know, when you're that young that you're good enough to be, you know, Jamie Wincup or anything like that, being supercars. So, you know, I started watching the supercars and enjoying that. And, um, yeah, so like I said, I was a bit of a, yeah, a bit late to the late to the game, watching it all when I was a bit older, but uh, really enjoying it. Do you have a favourite driver? The funny thing is, is that the only really one I remember is I used to watch this all, and I actually like Jamie Wincup. I met him at, uh, he probably doesn't remember it actually. I met him when I was probably about 15 at Mick Dillon's place when we were testing go-karts with Jack Dillon. I used to travel around with them a fair bit. So uh, I met Jamie there, and he, he was a really good bloke and nice. And um, the other one I remember is, is Dave Reynolds. He's probably in that, it's weird because I'm driving for him now, but um He's probably in that funny stage where he's throwing pot plants off the balconies and all that. And I was watching him Homebush. It must have been Homebush 2016. And I was hoping he got third. And I think that was the time he, he dropped the bottle off on uh, the Triple Eight uh, bonnet. They did something funny. And I was like, yeah, that guy's a bit of a legend. So I was always on for a bit of a joke. So I enjoyed watching him ever since then. There you go. Let, let's go back a sec. You, you talk about, yeah, you're meeting Jamie Winkup. So with Mick Doohan and young Jack Doohan, who, of course, is going to be doing some A-series stuff as well. Talk about that. Talk about the relationship with Jack Doohan. Yeah, so me and Jack, uh, I was, I was like I say, I got in when I was 13. I got up to grips with go-karts quite good. I think I'd won, by the time I was 15, two state titles or something like that. So um, we had quite good motors and equipment and... Um, yeah, we just uh, were travelling around a fair bit with Nick, did a trip down to Lithgow in his helicopter and, and in the planes and that, we're travelling around and they invited us down to their house, obviously, for uh, you know a bit of a fun day of uh, go-karting and all that and we got along with them quite well. So went down there and 
I think Mick Dillon was there. I think maybe even Russell Ingle was there. There was a few guys there. Um, I was probably still at that age. I wasn't exactly sure who they was, or who they were. Like I knew, I knew, um, you know, Jamie Winkup obviously is a supercar driver, but there's a bit of a funny story to it because mum, my mum knew who Mick Dillon was, obviously because of. Uh, Obviously, because of the, you know, we we're traveling around with him and all that and watching him back in his day. But James Wincup, she didn't know him by looking at him. So, um, <laughs> you know, they were doing that Race of Legends thing, I think it was, uh, yeah. that year. Yeah. And Mick and Jamie were doing it together. And Jamie was out there testing the buggy. And mum said to him, oh, this would be a bit different to the to the motorbikes, wouldn't it? And Jamie went, actually, a bit different to super, V8 supercars. And mum went, oh, okay. Oh, and no. walked off a bit. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a bit of a funny story there. But I guess we... We're just, uh, you know, we're, we're from Toowoomba. We, you know, didn't really, you know, we watched all this sort of sport and all that, but a bit blase about it all. And, um, yeah, obviously we got caught out with a few things there. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. We recently had Jamie Wink up on the show. Oh, what a great story. I like, oh, that's a good one, Will. Really like that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if you'll remember it. Uh, but, yeah, I've got, I've got a few good stories over the time that have uh, come up, so... That's the first one time I've ever told that one, though. There you go. It's a classic. We'll hopefully get th- get through a few more as we document your career. So 2011, I think it was, when you first started going karting properly. Talk about that period in 2011. You were pretty successful from the get-go. Uh, yeah, it was, it was weird. Like, I was, I've always been a very competitive kid, uh, and I was going out go-karting um, out at the local high-car place, like just your local high-car place. And I got tackled at lunchtime playing rugby, um, how I used to, and I got a hematoma on my leg, so I was out for the season. This was like two weeks before the start, and I thought, oh, God, what can I do? So we bought a go-kart, and I remember my dad saying, because the people next door used to do it, we're not go-karting every weekend like those people, you can just practice, and I thought, oh, yeah, here we go. So um, my next-door neighbour took me to a few a few ones, but dad was busy at work, and um, before I knew it, it was about six months, I think it was only six months after I started, I went to the Queensland State Titles and qualified second. Um, and I, I don't even know how. Um, I was a bit of, you know, a rookie, so I made some mistakes. I think I finished sixth in my first ever state, state title. And um, me and Dad, from there, we're doing like, I think one year we did 45 weekends a year of something racing. That's incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. It was 2014 when you really had a lot of success in the Australian junior karting world. You had a second and a third in the standings in two of the big national championships. Talk about that success then and what was going through your mind in terms of your career development as a driver, what you wanted to achieve. Yeah, I don't know. I was just a young kid uh, kid having a lot of fun. You know, I, didn't, I probably didn't take karting as seriously as I could have. Like, it was a very serious very serious thing but you know I was just there to have fun that's the sort of person I am I was like you know I'm going racing we're having a lot of fun doing it and uh, you know I used to get out of the car and go kick the ball and, and muck around with my mates and just find people to you know do something with where other people were doing data and stuff so that was sort of me but that's how I sort of rolled during it and had a lot of success so I got second way too many times I think that was like my unlucky number uh, <laughs> I think in some of them I would have rather finishing third because I was just sick of second but uh, I got a few state title wins and I think about second at six state titles and a fair few nationals as well so oh, two nationals I think so um, yeah a bit of, bit of bad luck but um, also it was just I just had fun doing it like you know a lot of I think a lot of people take go-karting a bit too serious but um you know, it's, it's about having fun and kids developing. That's the biggest thing. Well, yeah, the next step up, obviously, was in 2015. You joined the Australian Formula 4 Championship 
uh, a third place in the in the championship standings. You had a win in Townsville and a string of podiums to close out that season. Uh, you also did the Australian Formula Ford Championship, ninth in the standings there. Talk about your 2015 run. Yeah, so my 2015 run, I remember it must have been uh, maybe end of 2000, maybe start of 2015. I was probably at that stage with go-karting after doing it 46, seven weekends a year. But just, you know, what more could you do? Or, or if you know what I mean, like you'd been there, done a lot of it, and I wanted to sort of step up or, or look at other things. And Dad said, well, you know, I'll, I'll buy you a Formula Ford if you want to keep going. And I said, yeah, yep, that sounds good. So we got a Formula Ford, we started practicing, and then uh, obviously Cam's brought in the Formula Formula 4. So we got involved with that. Um, I won the inaugural race, first ever race up at Town School. Um, I was very, very new to it all, so... Um, yeah, I had I made a fair few, you know, as as a, a lot of us were rookies, but I was probably the best rookie that year. People like Thomas Randall had raced the National Formula Ford for a year or two before us, so I was quite happy with my third place in the championship there. And I also, I don't believe I competed in the whole National Series Formula Ford that year. I think I only did three of the rounds, so to get ninth was good as well. Well, well, yeah, two thousand and sixteen. This was a big year for you. Uh, you won the Australian Formula 4 Championship. You joined Team BRM, very, very big name in motorsport, BRM. Uh, you had six wins throughout the year. You won at Phillip Island, Sydney Motorsport Park, uh, Ipswich, Sandown, and at the Gold Coast. Talk about that run in the Australian Formula 4 Championship and finally clinching that championship. Yeah, it was just the sort of year everything came together. It's generally your second year uh, for, for a lot of people. And, um, yeah, I, I just I got it. BRM, obviously, uh, I was able to switch across to them. They wanted quite, you know, someone who they thought they could win the championship with that year. Uh, you know, I, I won a few of the prizes from the year before to make that year cheaper in Formula 4, so it didn't cost a ridiculous amount. Um, and then I was able to run Toad 86 as well. Um, and I was also able to run Formula Ford on, on a budget. So I was able to do three categories. So I was just racing. Um, it was my first year out of school. So I was just racing nearly every every weekend, every second weekend in cars. So it was fantastic. So I uh, won the Toyota 86 Championship. I won the Formula 4 Championship. But then also I got second in the Australian Formula 4 Championship. I missed the first round. I was 58 points down after the first round because we were racing at Tasmania in Formula 4 and I couldn't do both of them. Um, so I missed the first round. I think I lost that championship by eight points. So I pulled 50 points back into the championship. Uh, you know, so if I did one race uh, and finished in the top 10 at Sandown, we could have won that championship as well. Yeah, it was an incredible run that season. Nine wins. Uh, wins at Sydney Motorsport Park, Ipswich, Wakefield Park and Phillip Island. And just as you mentioned there, missing out on that opening round probably cost you the championship that, re- that year, but still... Uh, However, still, it was a very good run, second in the standings. Toyota 86s, yep, you won the championship there. Another thing that you went and did in 2016 was you went and did this Road to Indy shootout at uh, one of the iconic tracks, Laguna Seca. Talk about how that came about and your run there. You uh, were second in quali and then you had a sixth-place finish in the race there. You had big-name drivers like Oliver Askew competing there. He actually won. You out-qualified him, though, but he won the big race. Talk about competing in that and how that all came about. Yeah, so obviously part of winning the Formula 4 Championship, you got given that, but Leanne, well, that was the criteria, had to be, I think, under 27 years old or something like that, so they obviously handed on to me second, and um, I went over there, I actually flew out, I think I raced Toad 86 at Newcastle, I showed up late to the shootout, I flew out like Sunday night from Newcastle, I uh, drove to Sydney and flew straight out for it, um, 
So I got over there. I, you know, I, they were quite happy actually. I they cut down from twenty one drivers down to six for the six or seven for the final. Um, so I was in the top six. So there was only six of us, I believe, that qualified for the actual race. Um, I qualified seventh for the race, but they had this weird rule that if you ran all four wheels over the yellow line, you had to pit. Um, it was part of just their guidelines. Um, so I qualified second, and I was sort of pressuring. Well, I was pressuring for first, um, and when I came down into the second last corner at Laguna Seca, it's a fast ride. Um, I got a bit of oversteer. Now I dropped two wheels in the dirt, but the yellow line there is on like the outside track, but then there's runoff um, of bitumen. And because I didn't drop two wheels in the dirt, the other four were over the other two were over the yellow line. They, they forced me to pit. So we were well in the hunt to, uh, to get to actually win that race. Um, but it was just one of those things that to be honest, I, I never really wanted to go overseas and compete. I always loved the supercars since I saw it. And the kid that won it definitely deserved it. He did a great job. Um, I think he was the pick from sort of when they got there. He, he was, that was his path and he wanted to go through to IndyCar. So I think he was the rightful winner. That's what he wanted to go do where I wanted to do supercars. But I was, I love the experience. It was awesome to go over there. I think I was in America for all of two and a half days before I flew out again. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really cool. Yeah. So you returned home after that. Uh, talk about how this Super 2 deal came together for 2017. Yeah. So Greg Woodrow, actually, I'm not sure if you know him, but he, he was, he owned my gal for a, little bit and I actually ran with him for a bit in Formula Ford. Now he knows Ben Eggleston uh, and Rachel quite well and he said you should have a look at this uh, this young kid and um, I actually I I competed actually before that in the in the 2000 and what year would have that been? I competed in the Mark Cars at uh, or the what do you call it? The 12 hour. Yep. And uh, probably not a, not a lot of people remember but um it did come out in the story back then but that was actually uh but well, not funded completely but that was helped out by Roland. he wanted to see how it went um he knew he knew neil bates quite well yeah so um so yeah I, I competed in that and Roland was obviously you know happy with that and um we also then i got put with uh with eggleston motorsport which was through a, through a few people said you know and, and they were able to help me out they had a few team sponsors on board that were able to help out and they wanted a new young guy in. So I actually did a test day for them to see what I was like. Um, I think it was January uh, 2017 maybe. Yep. Um, and yeah, they were really happy with the lap times and that. So we were able to come to sort of, you know, with sponsors and that, we tried really hard. Our family didn't have the funding that, you know, Super 2 afford, uh, could afford, like we couldn't afford that. So uh, yeah, a few people came together and really helped out and, uh, I was able to get in for my first year. Well, yeah, it was the first year competing in these high-powered uh, tin tops, obviously. Uh, ninth in the standings, you had a podium at Simmons Plains and you had a few other top five uh, runs in the series as well. Talk about that debut year. What, what did you learn competing that year? Yeah, that year was probably the year where you, you don't know what you're doing, but somehow you do it. Um, so that was sort of me. I, I didn't know what I was doing, but I obviously knew how to drive somehow. So qualified... I had a bad running qualifying at Adelaide that first year. I lost a wheel, actually, um, just by a bit of a mistake by one of the pit crew. But I got up to – I got two sixths and a tenth in my first ever Super 2, so everyone was quite happy. And then went to Adelaide, and I just remember I, um, I crossed the line with a red flag with about three minutes to go, and they said, you're pole. And I was like, oh, look at this. this. 
beautiful. Um, but we got back out, and I think I caught, and two people pipped me, I think PD and maybe Pippa or Hazelwood. So, um, yeah, so I got, uh, I qualified third there for my first ever race, got a podium, a bit, a bit in the middle of the year, you know, there was, I probably fell off a little bit and came back at tracks and made a few mistakes, but overall I was very happy with, uh, with how it went that year, and I also nearly got a win at Newcastle at, uh, at the end of that year where, I qualified second. I led the whole race and uh, we blew a gearbox with about two laps to go um, leading. So it was a great first year for a young guy in Super 2. Yeah, and it continued on again in 2018. Uh, a sixth in the standings, so continuing to improve. Uh, two podiums during the year, uh, one starting the season and another closing the season. And yeah, a very consistent year running in the top 10 for most of the races. Talk about 2018. Yeah, 2018 was probably a very interesting year. I thought we'd jump into it, um, jump into it, you know, and, and do a really good job. It was probably the year <laughs> me and Angleson Motorsport are very close, but it was probably the year that we all took on a little bit too much. The team took on five cars. Um, you know, I was probably overdoing I don't know if I was overthinking what I could do, but I thought that we could definitely go out there and win a lot of races and just the whole team sort of um, results dropped off massively. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a hard year in that one. But when I got to the Enduros, it was great. The Enduros are probably what saved my career that year. Um, I thought that my family didn't have funding to, you know, after after what I did in 2017, I really thought that I could make main series, you know, for 2019. Um, that's sort of, as a young boy, that's what you, that's what my mental, that's what I mentally thought I could do. Um, so 2018, I thought this would be the year we could battle out for the championship. We just didn't have that. But I jumped into... Uh, so I jumped into the Erebus car for Enduros. It did, you know, they were, they were extremely happy. Did a really good job, um, and that's probably what saved me. A lot of people went, obviously, oh, you know, he can drive. He's he's done a great job in the Enduros. Um, so I was able to come to another deal and get home through sponsors to do a second year with uh, a third year with Erebus. And uh, yeah, that was that was I oh, was Eggleston, sorry, and that was uh, another tough one, but another great Enduro campaign last year. Um, that that probably helped me out and, and got me the deal I have got now. My Enduro campaign um, last year was was what um, what has got me to where I am now. Yeah, you mentioned that debut uh, Enduro campaign in 2018 there with Penrite Racing. Uh, yeah, you you were 12th in the qualifying race, and the you and um you and Anton finished 12th in the race as well at Sandown. Then you went to Bathurst and quite an incredible qualifying from Anton. Put it in third for the big race and there was a few issues with the car during the race. Talk about those opening enduro races that you competed in. Yeah, that was probably some of the coolest parts of my life actually. Um, um, there. It was just two young blokes. I didn't really know Anton Dixquale until I signed with him. Like I, I raced against him but we, we didn't really chat that much and then we became really good mates. We had a great time together we got along really well it wasn't just two guys going racing it was, it was two mates going racing and two young guys just having a crack um so we went to Sandown. i i topped one of the uh so on friday we had to we had to go to the press conference now two or three years before this um you know going jamie wink up and all that a uh, god everything like that which he is <laughs> uh, but you know i'm thinking god this is cool and then i'm sitting on the sitting up at the, uh, what do you call it, the press conference yeah. uh, with Jamie Winkup on one side, Craig Lambs on the other, and me and Anton in the middle that, you know, I topped the session. Um, so that was just a bit of a surreal sort of moment that you're going, oh, God, we're, you know, this is really happening. 
And then, yeah, the, um, that, that year was awesome. Just even the uh, co-driver race at, um, at Sandown, I was actually in second place and, and obviously all the hail came out. We made the, the call to pit, um, but that put us back to 12. But, you know, even being in the for that, we, we were going great. Well, there you go. And it was a great run, like you mentioned there in those Enduros, and it helped get you that seat again in 2019. Uh, the Super 2 Championship in 2019, it was a bit of a struggle. It was, it was a struggle for you guys, 12th in the standings. Uh, you did get a win, though, at Barbagallo, and you had a few top fives to close out the season, including a podium at Sandown. Talk about competing in Super 2 in 2019. What was it like? Uh, mass- that was probably a yeah, massive struggle and just trying to... Uh, no, I think we're we're probably in that low a little bit as you get, uh, probably you know with with the team and everything, and we're just wanting to try and find something to, you know, we're trying so many things that I think maybe we were overthinking a bit of it um, as well. We just, yeah, we just didn't get it right that year. We we got taken out the first round straight away, or crashed out um, at the first round straight away, uh, which put us on the back foot pretty much immediately. So that was one of the toughest times. Um, my enduro campaign straight when I got the Penrite car was was awesome. Um, you know, well, you know, we had a we had a great campaign with Anton. He did a great job. I felt I did a good job. So we had another another you know great uh, result for that. But uh, yeah, the Super Two was probably the hardest thing, hardest year. Yeah, well, you took on a few other responsibilities in 2019, one of them being the TCR Australia campaign. Uh, what a season! You were driving a Hyundai. First in the standings, you had seven wins, 15 podiums throughout the season, and you finished in the top 10 in 20 of the 21 races. Talk about how that deal came about and, and all that success that you had. Were you expecting that? You had a lot of experienced drivers as well competing. Yeah, it was funny. I actually only, you know, I'd seen a lot about TCR news coming out. I, you know, I wanted to race in it, but I didn't really... You know, trying to find the budget and all that on top of Super 2. It just wasn't wasn't able to be done. Um, so I was down finishing my plane last so I remember it. I was doing it on a, on a houseboat, actually, down there with a the guy that helped me study for it. And, um, yeah, we're doing a bit of study, and I was getting this call, and I thought, oh, yeah, you know, I wonder who this is. And I answered it, and I was, it was Barry Malcolm saying, you know, do, do you want to race in TCR this year? That's all he said to me. Do you want to race in TCR this year? And I went, yeah, I want to race in TCR. Yeah, definitely. And then he said, okay, I'll, I'll bring you back soon. And I went, okay, that sounds a bit weird. Like, he didn't say, I've got the drive, but he just said, do you want to drive? And I was like, yeah, well, bloody oath, I want to drive. Um, so I waited, uh, it took about a minute later, he called me and goes, yeah, you you know, you're right to drive for us this year, uh, you know, just try and market yourself good, and if you can find any sponsors and help us out, um, that'd be great. So I had a drive, and, um, you know, they obviously um, had, had a little bit of funding there from Rondo and a few of their commercial partners, so that's Pretty much how that drama came about. That was that was the phone call I got. Hey, do you want do you want to drive in TCR this year? And yeah, and in terms of the success, were you expecting to have so much success as you didn't? Like I said, you competed against some massive names in Australian motorsport in that championship. What was it like racing yeah. in that series? Yeah, I don't know. It was one of those times where you know you didn't know if the Hyundai was the car to have, if if uh, the team was going to do the job. Obviously, it was a new team. Nathan was running. Um, you know if if they were going to have the mechanics and all that in place, if I, I was going to do a good job in the front-wheel drive car. So there were so many unknowns that everyone was going in, and we popped straight out with, with some good pace and, and won the first round. And 
and then won the second round as well. So we came out with a lot of momentum and we knew that obviously the team was doing a good job, I was doing a good job and the car was, was one of the cars to have. So for us, um, you know, we got we probably got all our ducks in a row and, and had all the best equipment and we're doing the best job that year. And yeah, and with the uh, ARG group, they also had the S5000s that launched and you also got behind the wheel of an S5000 for some of the races. What was it like competing in those high-powered open wheelers? Yeah, they're a mega car. Um, they're a car that wants, seems like it wants to injure you. Uh, I remember my, it's actually the most scared of, actually, I think between that and my first ever time at Bathurst in a V8 supercar, I'm not sure which one I was more scared at, but... Uh, I think it was the F5000 around Phillip Island. It was a cold day there. Uh, we are on slick tyres, the so green tyres. We couldn't get tyre temp in them. And Barton, I think it was Barton Moore came around and absolutely rode a car off first lap coming onto the straight. And, and another guy crashed next. And I, I didn't spin, but I had a few moments that I thought, geez, that's, uh, you know, that, that could have been big. And they were just a car that was so quick and it was so cold. And you couldn't get any sort of load on the tyres to get the wax off them. So you couldn't go quick enough. So we were just all just hopping out of the car, absolutely mind-blown as to how hard these things were to drive. But once we got a bit of tyre temp in them, got used to driving them, they were a pretty incredible car to drive. And yeah, you, you did do the Pertec Enduro Cup again uh, with with uh, with Penrite Racing. Uh, Bathurst, top 10, top 10 shootout position. Uh, the race was quite a challenging one, though. You went to the Gold Coast, though, 11th and 8th place finishes there. And then Sandown, a uh, really good run in the qualifying race, second position and a 10 for the big 500 race. Yeah, I think myself and Anton's two campaigns probably both were the ones that we say what could have been. Um, you know, at, at Bathurst, we were in the top 10 shootout again. Uh, we both had good pace. I made a mistake in the race, but we're able to get back. You know, we were ahead of Dave until we got the stuck throttle and he popped down six for the last stint. So, you know, I think we were going to be in the hunt for, you know, maybe the back end of a podium or, or somewhere there. But things just for us at the start of the day went wrong from the word go. We we sort of, I made a mistake in my first stint. Um, we had gear shift cut issues, so we couldn't just pull gears. We had to use the clutch on up and down changes. Uh, we just had a bunch of things, obviously, with the with the stuck throttle around the tree ended us off. But um, it was a bit of a tough year for Erebus um, and ourselves. But we had we had really good pace, um, and then we went on to the Gold Coast, where you know I that was probably one of the moments where Benny and Barry really thought, you know, we we've got to you know try like lock Will down. We'll, we'll, we'll put something towards him, I think, um, because I remember uh, the final race on Sunday. Um, we qualified not too bad. I think we might have been around the 11th place. Anton made a little bit of a mistake in quality, which didn't get us in the top 10. But I got turned around by Hazelwood uh, down at about, I think, turn seven. And I went back to last. I was 30, 35 seconds behind the leader. And I passed, I went from 24th or so up to, I think it was about 11th or not 10th by the time we pitted. And I actually came in like 33 seconds behind the leader and had, you know, really good pace. Like we had the same pace as the main game guys in the in the Erebus cars. So they were like, geez, that was that was quite good. And um, they were obviously happy with how Sandown went. To, and then obviously we went to Sandown from there. Yeah, and, and talk about Sandown. That was another strong showing. Yeah, so Sandown was that one where that was the one that probably uh, closed it all off and, and, and was what I needed to, to secure my 
spot at Erebus, I guess, and secure a spot in the championship for next year. And um, I was trying to obviously go look at, you know, Erebus was full. I was trying to get another deal somewhere else to two race main games for this year. Um, and I, I've always wanted to stay at Erebus. Betty's amazing to drive for, and Barry is as well. Um, and, I, and I feel I'm quite a loyal person. They gave me their shot, my shot. But I went to Sandown, and they qualifying race where. You know, I started off, it was a bit wet. I started a little bit in the wet, and then it came back to a bit dry conditions, and I drove through and passed Garth. And I remember hopping out of the car, you know, gave Betty a hug, gave the team, thanks for everything. And then uh, I remember, I think it was Betty came up to me maybe 10 minutes later and said, don't sign anything, um, talk to me first. So <laughs> that was the weekend we sort of had that chat to um, to secure the deal we've now got, which is a multi-year deal. How close were you to getting a full-time seat for 2020? There was a lot of talk about the whole Team Sydney deal and what it would look like and linking you to the drive, one of the drives there. How close were you guys to getting a deal for the 2020 season? Yeah, that was probably the team I was least talking to, actually. Oh, um, yeah. I was a little bit... I was probably a little bit sceptical of what, what was going on there just because it was it was getting put together so late and there were so many things that had to be put together to the team. For a young guy, when you come into supercars, if you don't do a good job in your first or second year, everyone, you you know, you shot straight out the back. Um, so I was one of those people that I would have rather wait a year than, you know, come in when it probably wasn't the right time. So um, we had our discussions with other teams where obviously uh, there was a few people chatting with Walkershaw. Um, yeah, we definitely had, had fairly extensive chatting with a few other teams trying to get a deal over the line. But... Um, yeah, we ended up, uh, Betty put that towards me and, uh, you know, I, I pretty much, I would have taken the deal she's put towards me over uh, doing a main series event, a main series uh, drive this year. Oh, it's been an awesome partnership between you guys and looks like it's going to continue on into the future. 2020 now, let's talk about this year. Uh, you've joined a new team for the Super 2 Championship in Image Racing. Uh, you did get some racing at the Superloop 500 in the uh, development series. Uh, and then we had the the Grand Prix, the Melbourne the Melbourne Grand Prix. Uh, you were meant to be racing in the TCRs there. You got a few qualifying sessions through on the first day of action. However, you know all the stuff with the Corona crisis took took hold, and you guys couldn't couldn't race. Talk about first of all that weekend at the Superloop 500, and then everything that took that took place down in Melbourne. Yeah, that was cool. It was uh, it's. Pretty cool. I think it's one of Betty's babies and also a great thing to do with her is, is run the Erebus on the car. She loves seeing Erebus and, and I think it's really cool as well and to run the triple nine. So that was an awesome weekend and um, as me, Betty and Daniel say, we want to win races but if we can finish top three in every every round um, in Super 2, you'll, you'll really have a shot at winning the championship. So that weekend we're hoping to get a win. Uh, we just didn't have the pace of probably uh, Thomas Randall and Brody Kisbecki and uh, you know, after coming back from there and doing a bit of research with the Erebus guys helping out that, we tried a pretty much complete new front end setup that probably wasn't exactly how we wanted it to be. It might be a gain. Um, it might not be a gain for when we come back, um, but we believe it would be. So hopefully we can etch that a little bit closer. But, you know, these days it's really about, you know, some, some cars are a little bit better at some tracks than others. So hopefully we find we have a better car at some other events this year if we get racing. And yeah, the the Grand Prix weekend in Melbourne, it was quite chaotic, wasn't it? What, what was it like for you? Yeah, that was a great weekend. I rolled out and um, in the first uh, in the first race, uh, oh sorry, first practice, I had a, I had a sec- one point two seconds clear of the field, um, and then the second practice we had uh, nine tenths clear of the field. But the problem was is that 
they, they quickly waited us down. There was apparently a new BOP that came out from overseas, which is how it works in PCR, and they waited us down. So we qualified third or fourth in quali, but we also didn't use a new set of fronts. Um, so it was quite a good qualifying session for us. Uh, we're quite happy with it because people like Garth and I think it was maybe Caruso that qualified first and second. It helped us out a lot because they had used their tyres. So I think we were still in a, in a very competitive um, spot for this year and we obviously were one of the ones to, to watch out for. Obviously, Garth was doing the whole championship. He would have been someone that was really competitive as well. Um, but we're quite happy with how we rolled out now pace first in the first round. Yeah, and you got Penrite Racing, of course, for the Enduro Cup this season. You've got a new new teammate, though, in David Reynolds. What is David like away from being in the race car? Have you got any funny stories to share from your time with David? He's a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I couldn't tell you all that story. No, I'm um, no I've, I've, I got along with Dave super well. Obviously, all the drivers, since I started with Penrite, we all stay together um, in house and that when we're at Bathurst. So I'm sort of nearly like a mini Dave, me and him got along very well. And uh, <laughs> leading up to this year, I think I stayed with him and Tahan for about a week and a half, just uh, lived at their unit in the spare room, getting ready for this inju- uh, getting ready for the start of this season. And yeah, we just, we had a great time and um, yeah, we just, we just get along really well. So we've done some cool stuff away from the seas and uh, yeah, just, just had a lot of fun together. And what are you going to do with the remainder of this downtime? How are you, how are you going to prepare for when you get back to real world action? Yeah, my biggest thing is I'm not I'm not overdoing it. I'm doing, you know, four days a week cycling, um, trying to get cold up here, though, so it's harder to get out of bed, and a few gym sessions a week plus simu- simulator work. But for me, you know, we're going to know when we're back up and running. I'm, I'm feeling fit enough. Um, I'm, I'm happy with everything that's going on. I'm, I think I'm, you know, re- definitely ready to go racing and really looking forward to it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go, and I think my preparation has been good. Yeah, well, Will, you've had plenty of success so far, so early on in your career, and hopefully it continues. And, you know, best of luck for the remainder of the 2020 motorsport season. Thanks again for joining us on the podium. Thanks for that. Thanks for having me. There we are, Will Brown joining us on the podium to talk about his success in TCR and also to reflect on some career highlights uh, from his days in Formula Ford and a few other categories. And, of course, we can see him in action in the Pertec Enduro Cup again this season with Enright Racing. So special thanks again to Will Brown for joining us on the podium. Right after this, so it's time for the Podium of the Week. Yes, it's the Podium of the Week. So for anyone that's new to this, welcome. What we do at the Podium of the Week, we celebrate three performances, either from teams or drivers uh, from the past week in the world of motorsport. So position number three. Position number three, we're going to give it to Marcus Ambrose. And, yep, Marcus Ambrose, was great to see him back in action in the Supercars Championship, albeit virtually. Uh, great to see his sim setup as well. He's got a very developed sim setup that he uses to compete, and it was just great to have him in the Supercar Championship again. Position number two. And position number two, we're going to give it to a driver that has struggled to come to grips with the uh, Supercars E-Series. However, the other evening at Watkins Glen, he managed to get his first ever win in the Supercars E-Series. It is, of course, Jamie Winkup, and Jamie takes position number two on the podium. Great to see him back up there again. And position number one on the podium of the week, and we have to give this, of course, to Scott McLaughlin. Anyone that was watching the race, an epic finish to that race in Indianapolis in the IndyCar E-Series, the final race of that championship, and Scott McLaughlin came from nowhere on that final straight to win that race. So Scott McLaughlin takes position number one on the podium of the week.
And that's about all that we've got time for for this edition of the show. Uh, if you want to catch any extended interviews that we've done on the show and any other things that you've missed, you can head over to our podcasting platform. So Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, and you can catch up on anything that you might have missed on previous editions of the show. And that's about all that we've got time for for this edition of the show. A special thanks to all the people that have tuned in. We'll catch you next time on the podium.